You've reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. Welcoming to the podcast today is Chris Soriano, uh, a friend of mine from work way back when, and uh, now has a movie coming out that he's written, directed, and stars in. Is that correct, Chris? Yep, that's right. I mean, that's incredible. Yeah, a little bit of backstory, yes. The two of us worked together at the TV station, ooh, I want to say, talk about 10 years ago now? Man, time has has gone by. Probably, probably ten, nine or ten years or something like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it it's been it's been great to to see you and and, and catch up with you and and this movie. Like, let, let's talk about it, Dynasty Boys. Like, how long has this one been mulling around in your brain? Uh, I would say you know the good writing portion took about you know a good few months ever since this pandemic hit. Um, but you know, I've been living this since I was 13, so I'm 31 now. So give or take. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's incredible. Like how were you able to get it up and off the ground during pandemic time? Oh, uh, I look at the pandemic as just, uh, you know, it put everybody in isolation and it was driving me crazy. And, you know, I've never directed a film. I've never done anything in film. You know, this is my like first endeavor and um, I just met a lot of great people out here in LA. And I said, you know, most of us are doing nothing during this pandemic and we're gonna continue to do nothing. So we could probably use your skills and we can make a film. And, you know, from there, every I, I got my editor, I got my videographer, I got my director of photography, DP, you know, whatever it was. And we all just shot something in 10 hours in that trailer that you saw all for free. And it miraculously looked the way it did. That's that you know that's that is so cool. Like even the fact that you had this community that could come around you and work towards making something like this uh, happen. That's it's just refreshing, uh, really, really refreshing to to hear about something like that. Uh, you, now you stated that this is you know the life that you've lived that this movie is based off of. Like, how did it feel to put something like that up on screen? For you at first it felt you know a little weird you know because um i took certain things that i've seen in life um just growing up in a tough area in, in san diego and and um to portray that um and have it be eerily similar to like, i mean like you know how you shoot a home video or you shoot something on your cell phone and you know it's all fun and games and stuff but when you get these powerful like videographers and people and they really mimic a scene man and you get to see the final stuff it gives you a little like ptsd or you get a little like you know um affected by it and when i saw the final cut i was really moved by it that's awesome how much was it to just get off the page into uh the camera like not not much in, in money but just like in work pre-production basically i mean if 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 you have a dedicated team, they're like, there is no clock. And so all of us were just like working for weeks before we shot uh, that whole 10 hour shoot. But, you know, we were, we were planning it. We were writing out, you know, the script together. And um, I would say, man, we worked nonstop for like uh, a few weeks. So uh, I've, I've never really calculated the hours, but it, it was quite a bit. And um, to have that focus with a team is, is you know, it's pretty challenging because, uh, anybody could get distracted. Something could happen. But we really kept the momentum going. And give me a, a synopsis of the movie, just so that anybody that uh, hasn't seen the trailer yet, which they should definitely go and check out. Yeah, it's on uh, DynastyBoys.com. Okay, awesome. What is the film about? Sure. Um, the synopsis is basically about a, a group of uh, young Asian Americans that 
grow up in uh, modern times and experience racism for the first time because of the coronavirus. And in L.A., where times are tough, it's kind of, you know, how do you adapt and survive to that? That's, you know, and that's an incredible story because, uh, unfortunately, there's not a lot of people telling that story right now. And that's uh, what made you want to tell that story. Man, I just, I, I've seen too many things happening out here. I think, you know, every form of racism, racism is terrible. Um, you know, I, I stand with uh, all my black friends and, um, you know, even, even my Mexican friends, you know, they're, they're saying, you know, the cops hit us up with racial profiling too, you know. Uh, it happens to a lot of minorities. And then when I started seeing stuff with the Asian Americans going around, you know, um, just even around my area, like I'd greet somebody of a different race and they, they'd either put on their mask right away or they'd say, no, 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 no don't talk to me or, you know. Uh, and I was like, maybe, you know, these, these are people that are just, you know, being protective of the coronavirus. But, you know, being at the gas station, being at the grocery store, I would hear this chatter of like, I'd hear trigger words like Chinese or, you know, these Chinese people. And I was like, oh, man, they're talking about me. You know? So uh, anyways, it just made me say, I, I want to, if, if anyone's going to make a movie about something, it should be a, a cause uh, film. It should have a purpose. And that's what I wanted to do with my movie. That's, you know, and that's obviously a big issue that's going around right now. Uh, the type of words and language and actions that we use towards each other is obviously hot button and uh, uh, needs to be examined. And, and I'm glad that you're making this uh, as, I mean, I, I I don't know how well I can, uh, but I am also <laughs> of Asian American uh, and, uh, heritage. And it's, I, I, I haven't experienced it as much as I would say you have, but it's just, it is the thing. And it's, you know, these, these things need to be brought up and need to be talked about. And I'm glad that you're doing it. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Um, what was the so for someone that hadn't made a movie before, hadn't done this process before? What is a what's what's a a big surprise that came to you that you didn't know that was going to be a part of making a movie? Man, the biggest surprise for me was how you have to craft the right script. Um, it's like you're making a movie before it even gets on on the camera. And I, I, I underestimated the script. I was like, ah, this doesn't matter. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll go off the fly and, you know, we'll have certain beats, like certain movements, and we'll know, you know, how to authentically describe that dialogue. But, man, it's even times 10 when you're already putting it on camera. I mean, the, the stuff you thought would fly, you're editing the day of the shoot. And maybe it's a rookie mistake, but I, I've done my research and I feel a lot of uh, uh, successful directors edit uh, even when they're, they're ready to print, you know? So it's like, you can't just put something out there. Otherwise you'll, you'll jeopardize the whole film. Oh, that's, that's so true. I mean, that's what most people tell you that writing is actually just rewriting. Like you, you got right. the idea yeah. down. You just need to keep working at it now. Right. Right. So how many passes at the script did you think you took? Oh man, we're still rewriting it right now. You know, um, that's, thank goodness we got the crowdfunding going here, uh, soon, but it buys us time to really, uh, hone the script, uh, you know, we got it to about 120 pages, and which is, you know, good, give or take. It should be between 115 and 130. I think 130 being too long, you know. Yeah, you take the rule of thumb of one page is one minute on right. screen. So, um, you know, we, we're changing a lot of things, especially with, you know, the times. Uh, we never would have thought we'd see a, a, this Asian grandmother in New York that, that was set on fire recently. And, you know, it just you hear these hate crimes and they're getting worse. You know, when we wrote, it was just more of like racial slurs. And now it's, you know, assault and, and arsony or, or you know, all, all, all these crazy things. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, ugh, there's, it is crazy. So thinking about that, like, do you believe, do you feel like you're going to be putting more of that into the script as you rewrite it, as you get closer to, to, to doing more? Yes, I'm going to try to put as much of uh, what's happening. I mean, you know, th these group of Asian kids that, that live in L.A. go through this tough time. A tragic hate crime happens. You know, someone dies uh, and, you know, they either decide, are we going to take revenge or are we going to try to figure out what happened? And it forces them to work with all the other races. At first, you know, it's accusations. Maybe it was them. Maybe it was this. But then when you're forced to try to have a conversation with, with someone, 
um, it, it just changes that dynamic. And that's what I'm hoping. At the end of the day, this is going to promote a positive message, but you're going to see some cringeworthy moments. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what What was it that you uh, took into account, like mentally, like to to prepare yourself to write this down, put it onto put it into script, and and put it in, put it on the on film or in video? Sure. I, I felt like to prepare myself mentally for it, it was more like I, I'm the type of person where I'll just dive in when I feel like, you know, I'm 100%. You know, if, if I'm not going to do something, I won't get into it. So, uh, but with me, I took, you know, I, I read a lot of articles that was happening. I mean, uh, even right now, New York has their own, you know, Asian uh, hate crime task force unit, you know, <laughs> to combat some of these things. And so whenever I'd see something like that, I go, okay. You know, this is, you know, I'm committed. You know, there's there's no turning around. Let's finish this film, whether even we make our crowdfunding or not. We shot everything for free, so why can't we finish this film too? I've, I've seen so many independent films uh, with like uh, a budget of like $15,000 actually get distributed. And so with that as a low-hanging fruit in, in the bar... I think we'll we'll do we'll do pretty good. <laughs> I, I'm sure you will. I mean, like I said, from what I've seen so far, looks amazing. Thank uh, you, thank you. You were talking earlier about prepping, preparing yourself, like um, doing your research. What what was it that you what what specifically did you go and research before uh, sitting down for this? I was trying to look more so at, at the different races that were causing these uh, attacks on Asians, you oh. know, and and I was like. You know, uh, in my mind, you know, uh, and in, I think a lot of people that I was asking, you know, it's, it's probably white people or it's probably the black people or, you know, I, I think they couldn't even identify some of the races on certain attacks. So, you know, it was just it, 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 I wanted to make sure I wasn't just telling one perspective, one side. And, you know, this this is a dramatization of, of events happening. So it will probably be categorized as fiction. But um, I think, you know. We'll try to tell it as truthfully as possible um, without, you know, saying certain people's names. Right. Okay. Uh, who do you hope to reach with this movie? I hope to reach uh, every minority group as well as, um, I mean, the general public, but more importantly, our Asian American fellow brothers and sisters out there. I just, I just want them to feel like, all right, man, people making movies about us now and, okay, what are some of those movies? We got Mulan that's, you know, going to go to Disney Plus. We got, you know, uh, another one called Peninsula, which is Train to Busan too. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a cool film. Can't wait to watch that. <laughs> we got Parasite. But, you know, who's talking about what's happening in America today? And I feel like one of the most important messages is this anti-racism movement. You know, I, I'm all about it. And so, I don't want to talk about it. I want to be about it. And so if I got to be one of the first filmmakers to say, you know, COVID looking ass as a racial term, then, you know, uh, I want to show that there's going to be light at the end of the tunnel here um, because that phrase is is, is very minute compared to the other hate that's coming out there. Now, in your your trailer and and featurette that you have there, you also have some like – footage of you kind of doing interviews like that like what was the thought behind behind that to 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 explain more about what it is that you you put into this movie like of of yourself absolutely uh, at at a young age you know at 13 i grew up um in in the tough areas of san diego and um man the the gang violence out there is it, pretty rough and i explain how at a young age you know at, at 13 at, a moment of me just going to the liquor store one night changed my life, and I thought I was just you know, living life like a normal kid. You'd see different gangsters, you wouldn't really interact, but you know that one night when I went and I was just hanging out, man, um, I got cornered, and they pretty much said, "Hey, man, if you want to hang out with us, you got to fight, you know, one of our homies here." And I, I don't want to fight the guy. You know, I'm, I was 13 at the time. These people were probably like 26, 30s, you know. Um, so I just remember saying, no, you know, I, I don't want to fight. And right away, someone kicked me at my feet and all these people jumped me. And um, after about five minutes, they pretty much said, you know, welcome to the family. And, and that, you know, I've never seen that in films, you know. Um, and I wanted to share my side of, of how sometimes – your life could could be ruined. You know, you you 
could either be in a body bag or in a jail cell. And and for me, um, you know, uh, fortunately through the grace of God or, or whatever, you know, I, that didn't happen to me. So, um, but th that that upbringing and and that paranoia growing up and not knowing who's going to jump me or beat me up or what side am I on now at 13 um, was something to 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 just write on film or, or to share on film rather. So that, I mean, obviously that experience shaped your life. It shapes this movie. Like, how is it that you were able to just put that on into words for yourself? Right. Um, with, with, with me in the film, I don't want to try to give too much uh, of it away. No, but no. I do yeah. want to say, yeah, I do want to state that, you know, our character has this type of past where he doesn't know, you know, who his next enemy is. You know, in the beginning, we kind of see him, um, something tragic like that similarly happens to him. And um, he distances himself away from that. And we're kind of seeing him, you know, 10 years later in this new world, coronavirus happening, you know. So um, our main character, our protagonist is paranoia is at an all-time high. <laughs> and, you know, with already everything happening, we're going to see this character develop. Awesome. Awesome. Uh is it just the one character that we're following throughout the whole movie? Or are we, we following uh, several characters? Or Yeah, we're, we're following a group uh, uh, of characters, just four, uh, or actually five main ones, um, all within their uh, late uh, teens, early 20s, and um, different perspectives. Even a foreign exchange student from Wuhan, China, you know, to, to <laughs> pretty much uh, maybe um, uh, without offending anyone but also showing a, a unique perspective that there are foreign exchange students that come here from asia that are also receiving the hate and so we wanted to show that perspective as well so i guess the interesting an interesting thing that would be is that during filming of this like obviously it is during coronavirus it is during a pandemic how was it that you felt about keeping everybody safe and and healthy and stuff like that like how how what were the precautions that you took Right. We took as much as we could based on what we had. And thank goodness nobody has been sick yet. You know, and um, uh, I you never know what's going to happen. So I remember when we were filming, uh, we were like, all right, uh, six feet apart. I know our cameras can get in there tighter. Uh, you know, our boom operator is going to have to even go further back to hold that mic over the head. Um, you know, it was a lot of we had hand sanitizer everywhere. We had no more, like if you look at some of the shots in every room, there was no more than 10 people, probably not even more than five people in the room. Uh, on a typical set, you'd have so much uh, people there from the makeup artist to, to you know, whoever, you know, just doing touch-ups. Um, but for us, it was straight up the, the, the camera operator, me, and the actors. So it was as intimate as possible. Was that, was that a uh block in your head before before deciding to film like is that was that a thing i mean obviously it, you you had to put in a lot of thought and whether or not you wanted to do it but i just wanted to i wanted to i wanted to see what it was it that was going through your head yes it was a definite block but then but then in the back of my mind i said you know we don't have that much to lose i know um based on research that there are certain directors that um when it comes to a certain like intimate like a sex scene they're not going to have, you know, obviously so much people there. They want to keep it intimate. And I, I said, okay, if that's how they did it on an intimate scene, why can't we do it as well? Um, and that's, you know, kind of the logic that I had. Just I needed to see someone have done it before so that I can do something like that. Yeah, no, that makes that makes complete sense. If they can, if you can do it with the skeleton crew, then you can do it with the skeleton crew. So right, right, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. What was the funnest part about filming this for you? Man, the most fun part was um, was just being in the suffering of everything with my crew. Um, and, I mean, Costco food, like not even the best stuff. You know, <laughs> but, you know, everybody's like kind of in the, 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 the nitty-gritty, tired, and, and just feeling like we're doing something for a good, for a good cause here. But ultimately, it's going to look badass when we're done. So, you know, that that was my favorite part. Just at the end of the day, starving, you know, tired, but feeling it was worth it, you know, and not thinking about life outside of our bubble. This is this was it, and we were so immersed into it, and I loved it. 
And what was your biggest hurdle to get this made? The biggest hurdle was, 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 oh, there were so many hurdles, from, <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, just, just, you're going to make a gangster film in LA. You don't want to be in certain areas, you know, you, you, That's could, true. you could be in the wrong territory at the wrong time. And so making sure everybody was safe and making sure that nothing was misrepresented, you know, not saying things that could really bite us in, you know, the, the back or in the ass later. So, uh, just just making sure everything was also like nobody was just releasing locations and stuff just keeping the project you know top secret as we could while we were filming just so we could get in and get out because a lot of these locations we were trying to get um were all closed down but i was able to communicate with the owners um and they were able to let me use the space for a little bit and then we'd go to the next location the next location now you you said earlier that it was you and a couple other guys or a couple of your friends that were that were working on the script and working on the movie like was this all just uh, a lot of you, the people that you know that worked on this or did you have to did you have to go out and do a casting call get sound people like how did that work for you so in regards to our team everything was was built i knew none of these people oh. before we began so i mean i all of our actors came from backstage.com yeah i pretty much just hit up every single person that I felt would fit the role and then did a, a interview uh, on, on Skype and then from there or, or Google Hangout and then from there try to get a feel for the character and thank goodness I didn't make any mistake because every character we I worked with because it's, it's different when you're working with them versus an audition. Right, right. right. And, and when they showed up, they really performed. They performed so well. It was like they, they really wanted this opportunity and, and keep in mind there was no payment. So they all knew that they were doing this uh, for the hope of, of this actually becoming a reality. And I can, I can cut this out later if you want, but like, how did that come? How does that conversation happen with the actor or the other people when you, you have to say, well, at this point, there's no money in this for you. Right? No, I, I, I was very straightforward. I said, you know, we're doing this because we believe we can make this film a reality. Uh, you know, this is what you're doing pro bono, but, if this works out, we'd love to have you in this film. And so I kept my word. They did. It was like a leap of faith. We both had to take right. the actor and the director and, and just them trusting. I mean, keep in mind, think, think, think if you're an actress, you know, being invited into this set during coronavirus time where nobody's doing anything and you're not even getting paid. And at the end of the day, you're like, Man, is this all worth it? So I think they had to really trust me too. You know, especially I have I haven't directed anything in my life. I haven't shot anything. So they're probably like, "What in the world?" But but I really conveyed to them the message. I really took my time to explain everything, and I I, I believe they're all happy right now. Going, man, this is going to be an amazing film. Okay, that's that's I mean that's that's an incredible story. Yes, because that's that's people coming together and working towards something with out the 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 monetary value like attached to it and then it's it's great that they you could get you could find those people to to work on this right right i got lucky or you know it was trust it was it was a mix of everything it's yeah you know it's it's preparation meets opportunity right that's luck right? so you, you, you <laughs> i love that and you you i mean back back when we used to work together it's how, that's how i always saw you too so ah uh, thanks brother <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of, of of working at the TV station, did any of that, being a multimedia journalist, help prepare you for making this? Great question, and 100% yes. Being a MMJ, multimedia journalist, going out there, shooting editing packages on the fly, not even knowing what you were going to front on the 5 or 6 o'clock news, but making it probably five minutes before the newscast, definitely prepared me for this. I don't think I probably could have done what I did had I not had the MMJ experience, the editing experience. Um, I added a few more tools to my toolbox, like color, color, uh, being a colorist now and, and adding certain hues and just looking at you know the different types of cuts I can make but in the editing booth. But uh, aside from that, yes, being an MMJ really helped me out. So did you edit this whole thing, this whole project on your own too? I worked with an editor. Okay. I, I did the first cut. He kind of laughed at it, and he made it better. And I kind of laughed at his cut, and I made it better. So we we all worked really, really hard um, to to get it to where it is today. That's awesome. That's that's incredible. Uh, 
what is it that you think that is going to be the biggest takeaway from this for other people? I believe that the biggest takeaway from the film is that, you know, an individual should never be the, the representation of, of a group. You know, I, I see so many people when they, when they, let's just take, for instance, I don't know, a, a white person. And that white person says something like, you know, all Asians have coronavirus. And then, you know, when we get offended, man, we go, oh, man, all white people are whack. You know, and it's a, it's a back and forth that nobody wins. You think we all have this. We think you're all, you know, racially, you know. I just want to encourage people that that one person is not responsible for the group. Take that individual for what they are and what they say and apply it to that person. And if we can, if we can treat different races that way, I think we'd be in a lot better position. Even if, even if an Asian person cuts you off in the middle of the road, <laughs> please don't stay, don't say the stereotype because it's just that one person or, or, or whatever it is, you know? No, 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 that's, that's absolutely true. I, 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 I'm right there with you. Yeah. What was it that you went to school for? I went to school for communication. So thank God that paid off on set. You know, as I'm talking to people, I just, I, for me, man, I, I just love being able to talk to someone to be able to get a certain goal or uh, a mission done. I mean, that's I mean, what I went to school for. Did you have any moment when you were directing your actors and you needed to get them to get a certain performance that you, you weren't getting already? Like, did that, was there anything that particular that helped motivate them? Right. Um, yes, I, I can think of multiple examples, but if I may just share a funny uh, story, I remember one of our actresses went on set and was like, so could you give me a little bit more background details about my character? And I'm like, man, but how do I, how do I tell this girl I really don't know any other background details? I mean, this is all being made off the fly, sort of, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, you're going to be all right. You're going to be all right. And then she was like, no, no, no. I, I really need the background details. And I'm like, all right, well, Put it this way, your character is really important, and if you're in this situation, how would you react? And then she'd say the, she'd say her answer. I'm like, well, that's your background, and, you know, <laughs> something as whack as that. She was like, what the heck? Okay, you know, so, a lot of moments like that. It was like, is this guy crazy? You know, I, I, they didn't say it, but I could see it in their eyes. You know, it was just as we were like in the tornado of of, uh, of everything, but. Um, I, I'm sorry if I didn't even answer the question specifically. No, no, that's yeah, no, yeah. that's that's exactly what I'm talking about. You're you were breaking it down. You're you're showing that you know you you had to think on the fly. You had to you had to create that world within yourself and then portray it to the to the actress. So that's exactly what I, I mean. I love the craft. I love the the idea and 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 all that uh, machinations going into making a movie. So uh, to hear about it in somewhat real time the way that you know that you're, right. you're you're doing it is 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 amazing like what, what Man, were, if this was if this was tenant i'd take you backwards <laughs> <laughs> i'm so excited to see that movie and me, the fact too, that it keeps man. getting pushed I'm back for it to stream i'm like when's this thing streaming but dang it christopher nolan's so dedicated to going no it's only gonna be in theaters you know so god bless his heart <laughs> what, what, what was the last thing you saw in theaters man i saw the movie uh in theaters, I think it was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is badass. I love that film. Uh, I love Quentin Tarantino. And here's a tribute to how I think the way I do, also because of him. He says, you don't got to know what a 50 milliliter lens or uh, from a 40 and all this. You know, you don't need to know all that shit. No, screw that. What you got to know is what you want. And if you're passionate about film and you love it, you can't help but make a good movie. I was like, bam, I'm going to be a director. <laughs> <laughs> I know so, exactly what I want. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, so he gave us, he, he gave me hope. But um, the last movie I saw was that Tesla one. I saw it last night. It was streaming on Amazon Prime. So, yeah. Oh, is that but the one in, with yeah. uh, Ethan Hawke? Yeah, with Ethan Hawke. Oh, uh, okay. Was that any good? Uh, respect to the director. Respect to everybody. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't pretty much appreciate it. I, I just thought it was not my cup of tea. But hey, that's just me. So is is that is that a is that a new thing? Are you are you going into watching movies differently now that you've you've been through the process yourself that you've made a movie? Yes, I have so much so much respect for directors. One of one of uh, a mentor I have, his name is Ricardo de Montreux. He's the uh, director of Lowriders, um, and uh, you know he he broke some records, you know, because he made an urban film with such a small budget 
distributed by Universal Pictures. Um, when I moved to LA, uh, I, I, I sought him out, just cold emailed him. I said, I'm going to make a film. He worked with me, gave me some advice, and um, really, really cool guy. Um, and taught me how to, it took me into a different world, man. Like, he took me into the Hollywood Hills, to LA, to places where even Leonardo DiCaprio would watch movies. It's, they're called movie houses. They're like small, members only movie houses where you can watch a film. And um, I, he took me to this one uh, uh, lunch where I was like, yeah, well, you know, what's going on? Oh, shit, there's the producers of Parasite here. And then I, I swear to you, Mel Gibson walks in. I'm like, oh my God, Mel Gibson's here. And then he's just wearing shorts and a bubble jacket. I'm like, oh, this is random. And then he was like, oh yeah, I've worked with Mel before. I was like, what the heck? And he's like, let's go talk to him. He took me up to Mel and he was like, oh, hey, you know, this and this and that. Something about Mel's son and him working together. And just, that's how cool Ricardo was. And he really taught me that this is possible. Okay, you go out to lunch, you get to meet Braveheart. That's I right. Mean. <laughs> right. It was crazy. It was crazy. Looks just like he does in the movies. <laughs> um, would there be anything different in the process of making uh, another movie that you'd want to do that you found this time around? You know that that you would change up. Oh, there, yes, there would be a lot I'd change up. I'd change up the just the quality of walking onto a set you know i just to me i mean even from the quality of the writing the i don't want too many cooks in the kitchen having so many writers is so so um it's hard for us to get to the point faster i love the people that i'm working with and and you know we're gonna work together for a really long time but i mean you, sometimes you just gotta breeze through shave like just trim the fat and then re uh, just rewrite i mean i'm still learning but I'm learning what not to do and, and, and how to do stuff. And so, I mean, and Costco food, I mean, come on, you know, I got to <laughs> treat, you know, my people better than that. But Hey, I was eating it with their, you know, right with them. <laughs> uh, did you write in and it, it, if it's a spoiler, you don't have to say it, but did you write in some, uh, some fight scenes? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yes. There, there's definitely, we're even working with a stunt coordinator, actually coordinated a lot of fights for even Jackie Chan's films. Um, shout out to Toom, T-O-O-M. So he's a really cool guy. Uh, so yeah, you know, we're, we're there's going to be some good action in here too. Now, did you did you have a stunt double? Or did you do him yourself? Because I know you're a fighter, right? <laughs> oh, I'm glad you remember. But you know, I'm a lover now. Respect to okay. everybody, right? <laughs> um, uh, definitely um, uh, me mixed with. I mean, I worked with a stunt coordinator, so yeah, it's pretty much me. All right, that's awesome, yeah. man. That's awesome. This ain't no Keanu Reeves stuff, though. All right, I ain't badass like him, like John Wick. Any any uh uh behind the scenes bloopers or you know f mistakes and maybe punch a guy or get a black guy or anything? <laughs> I've got that on private, so maybe one day when you know we make it, we'll just release that. So all right, really uh, embarrassing stuff. <laughs> fair, <laughs> fair. What what are what are so obviously being a, a film fan yourself? What are some of the, your influences? Who are the directors other than Tarantino that you you love and, and love to go see? Man, such a beautiful question. Oh man, um, Nicholas Winding Refn, the director of Drive, nice. And Too old to die young. I just love the the like that that eighties pop mixed with you know that urban night film noir type of look, uh, cyberpunk ish. Um, that's the type of stuff that just moves me and the simplicity of it, just the, the way of, I don't like too much zooms and pans. I like things really cl just clean and, and the edits is what moves. So, you know, we'll either jump, you know, closer or backward and you go to the next scene and just the pacing. And so, so Nicholas Winding Refn with, with, uh, that movie drive is, is huge for me. Yeah. I think uh, I can definitely see those, those influences in the trailer. Oh, could you? Yeah, see? So there it is, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I always loved the Fast and the Furious series. I just wish, man, one of the main characters was Asian, besides Tokyo Drift. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, and the writer of that, um, uh, he, he, he made a movie recently called uh, The Tax Collector, David Ayer, and I got to meet him personally um, at the drive-in with Shia LaBeouf. I didn't get to meet Shia LaBeouf, but I went to... Uh, the sneak peek before it hit theaters, the tax collector. And I was there in the drive-in, and I got to meet him. Uh, a cool guy, a Navy veteran. 
and he he was just telling me how because I told him I was like, hey man, there ain't not much Asian gangster films you're doing. You're doing everybody else. You covering L.A. You know what's up with that? And he was just like, you know, hey, my, my one of my camera guys is Filipino, so much respect to you. And so you know, he he knows that you know definitely there's there's uh, there's not that much Asian representation in in urban films. So hopefully he steps up that for his next one or. Who cares? I'm a fan. Oh, it's going to be you that steps up to that that oh, matter. Yeah. So that's okay. You know, I love David Ayer's films like Fury, uh, End of oh, Watch. Wow, wow. Those movies are wow. are amazing. So uh, I, that's so cool that you got to meet him, talk to him, and and see Tax Collector. Yeah. I've been meaning to watch that. So uh, yeah, is it is it a recommendation? Is it is it, is it get the Chris uh, recommendation on there? <laughs> uh, respect to him. I it just uh, you know. I, I won't ruin it for you. I'll leave it at that. Okay. I saw the whole thing. You know, I saw it with my fiance. We watched it. We were there. And it was just, um, I didn't expect certain things to happen. And um, I will say, I, I, I spoke to certain people that, you know, are from the street um, and, and from that type of race, not even, you know, Asians. And, you know, they, they, they were just pretty much uh, giving their feedback on it, too. So, um, you know, it is what it is. I But I respect David Ayer. I think he's a cool guy. Yeah. You know? Awesome. What is what else, what what else have you been doing to keep yourself occupied during uh, quarantine or p- pandemic time? Oh, just this this film has just taken over my life. Um, we, we're getting ready to put it up on Kickstarter here soon on around September seventh. That should be our launch date. And you know, it's it's you know, I've seen people on Kickstarter make fifty thousand to two million to three million, and so. You just don't know what you're going to get, but if you have a good amount of people backing you, supporting you, I think that's the best thing at the end of the day uh, because I do know there's a big chance you can fail and there's also a huge chance you could su- succeed. So either way, uh, I've, I've gotten – like there's a blog called Asians Never Die. They've got over like a million followers. They pu- they pushed us uh, and you know different types of blogs putting us out there and it's always refreshing to see and even a privilege like this to, to be interviewed by you on your po- podcast, man, that's – that's, I appreciate that. You know, I, I don't take that with a grain of salt. I, I really appreciate it. No, no, I, I completely appreciate you coming on. Like I, 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 like I said, I love talking to people that are passionate about what it is they do. So, when when you don't have a film that you're working on and you're 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 trying to just unwind, what's that thing? What's that thing for you? What's the the thing that you just love to do for you? Man, I love these questions. Where you come up with this stuff, man? For me, I, I'm a very simple guy. I, I just like I, I like black coffee, you know. So if I find a really good coffee place, there's so many here in LA. Um, and I'll just, but they're all closed. So you know, when they were open, I would go in there and I would just, you know, uh, you know, scrubbiest clothes doesn't even matter. Drink my coffee, sit at the table. And right when I take that first sip, man, I just get chills. I don't even know how to explain it. The world doesn't even matter. Nothing matters. It's just me and that coffee, man. And and if it's a really, really good cup of coffee, man, I just I think of good ideas and I'll journal or something, you know. I I feel like I'm just in the old times, you know. It's like uh, maybe like Braveheart, you know, just writing stuff down or something. But that that's my go-to, just just relaxing. Some people probably smoke cigars. I don't do that, but you know, I I have my coffee. You just hit you hit that zone and, and and drink your coffee. I love it. That's that's awesome, man. Like, like, what is it that? What's the kind of different blends you get into? Man, uh, French press. I'm a big fan of, but pour overs. Uh, I, I I do mine here at home, but also, uh, uh, man, just medium roast. Uh, the the Colombian blend is good. Or, but man, you go to some of these really really specialty coffee shops. You can't even pronounce some of the names. One time I even bought. I only did this one time, just because I was like, I gotta try it. It was like a fifteen dollar cup of coffee, and I was like. <laughs> Dang, that's that's expensive coffee. They're like, no, no, it's really one of the best. One of the, it's not in season, and when it's ripe, we harvest it, we roast it. I was like, all right, let me try this. It tastes like just like the five dollar cup of coffee. <laughs> so I was pissed, but I was like, all right, you know, I tried it, man. I tried. That you know what? Yeah, you 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 said you had that experience, right? Like, right. like. <laughs> three years ago San Diego Comic Con I went out with my buddies we went to the bar and there was at the bar we were drinking of course and at the bar there was a big old like display and it said it was tequila from Guillermo del Toro like the director oh, it's his tequila yeah, yeah, yeah. and I was like really and they're like Damn. yeah it's $50 a shot I'm like <laughs> oh man 
all right, let's do three. And like, I just bought three <laughs> shots for the three of us, and we just drank it. And it was, it was probably the best tequila I ever had. So maybe oh, wow. it was worth the fifty dollars. <laughs> I'm glad it worked out for you. See, I wish I had that experience. <laughs> uh, okay, so you were talking earlier. You know, you said you said Peninsula. You said uh, uh, P- Parasite. You talked about um, Mulan. Who are some of the your favorite right now? Uh, Asian or Asian American actors that are out there. Oh, great question, man. Uh, you know, I, I remember being in a theater watching Crazy Rich Asians and going, man, I guess it is possible for us to be in the movies. And I think I remember like months later going to see The Fault of Our Stars just because the, what, the main dude was Asian as well, you know. Uh, and, and I was like, man, you know, this stuff is possible. So respect to those actors, Henry Golding and the other gentleman whose name I can't remember right now. I think he's Korean American or something like that, or I forget. But um, man, it's just to to see yourself and think it's possible is it's just it unlocks certain pathways in your brain where you just start doing stuff. The subconscious works in a different way, man. Um, versus like it's never going to happen for us. So, but but to get back on track in terms of actors that I respect that are Asian, um, man, I just. It'd have to go back to Bruce Lee just because he was an actor as well as a director. And, you know, he was just trying to put more action sequences in his films. And, you know, at the time, you know, he left, you know, he was born in San Francisco, left here to go back to China to try to make his films. And then, you know, we wanted him back here. And so he died as his son died on set. So it's just like, this is the craziest things, but much respect to Bruce Lee for, for really inspiring me. And, and, um, I got to give you one more because, man, that, that would suck if I didn't give you another Asian person, that, at least who I respect, man. Um, an Asian filmmaker that I respect, that I really appreciate, would, would probably be um, five more seconds. I'm going to get this. No worries. It's, it's got to be. Dang. Are you like, nothing else come to my are, mind. Are man. you an Ang Lee fan? <laughs> You're a John Woo fan? Uh, both are really good. I know John Woo with his action and Ang Lee with, you know, of course, all the movies he's done. I mean, I only could think of Brokeback Mountain and Life of Pi. But I mean, Life know, of Pi uh, is an amazing movie, man. Or so yeah, is Brokeback. Yeah. So. It was really good. Yeah. I mean, I even like Brokeback Mountain, man. I, I thought that stuff was – you know, I know people give it a hard time. But, you know, you, you push certain actors to do things, especially, you know, there's a movement now where, you know, a lot of actors, if they're not gay, they're going to say – you know, I'm not going to do this anymore. Right. I'd rather give the role to a gay person, you know. So, I, you know, hopefully with the Asian communities, you know, they're going to start saying, all right, I want to give my, my, you know, hopefully Ben Affleck and all these other big stars go, we're going to start giving Asian guys roles now or something. But, well, you know. you know, we had that in the, the last Hellboy movie. The they It was it first was going to go to the English actor Ed Skirin, and then he was, and then oh. there were, you know, there's a big backlash of like the character he's playing is supposed to be, uh, Asian, not Asian American, but Asian. I don't remember who it was, but it went to Daniel Day Kim, which was like oh, an wow. amazing, yeah. amazing thing. So I thought that was pretty great. Like, have you have you watched Kim's Convenience on uh, Netflix yet? No, I haven't, man. I got to watch that. So if you if, like a, if you Kim's yeah. Convenience, gotcha. Kim's Convenience is all about this um, Korean family that lives in Canada, and you know their 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 daughter and son were born in canada so but they but they have old school you know kind of um values and stuff like that but the kids are got the new school kind of values and it's it's a little bit of culture clash but it's 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 funny show so you should definitely give it a try give it a watch also talking about bruce lee there is this amazing show that was on cinemax it's called warrior season two is going to be coming up here too yeah so oh wow they got a season two too oh crazy yeah yeah it's uh it's this this Basically, did you ever see Deadwood? Uh, it's a cowboy movie. Yeah, the cowboy, cowboy show yeah, yeah, on yeah. HBO. So we're we're talking about San Francisco, early nineteen hundreds, late eighteen hundreds. Oh, wow. Yeah, you know, a lot of gangs started in San Francisco. Exactly, and it's all Asian cast, it, and it's all about you know uh, those gangs coming up in that in San Francisco, San Francisco at that time. Oh, crazy! And wow. there's, there's okay, a lot of I'm fighting. There's a lot of great dialogue. It's a lot of great drama. So you should give that a try too. It's like Narcos, but for uh, Asians. Exactly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, okay, Chris. Top five films all time. Man, top five of all time has got to be Gangs of New York. 
uh, Goodfellas. Um, I'm and, sensing a theme. <laughs> no, right? No, no, it's going to get crazy here. The pursuit of happiness went totally south, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, um, Dragon, the Bruce Lee story. I love that movie. Yeah, that was crazy, right? It was a good movie. <laughs> it's corny, but funny, but cool, man. I love it. And that guy went on to direct, I think, Fast and the Furious. Yeah. Um, let me think. And uh, my last one is Drive. Drive, okay. So so when, when you get to meet Jason Scott Lee, because you make this movie, <laughs> tell him <laughs> how much idea. he... Go ahead, tell him. Oh, what. I was gonna say, just tell tell him how much you love Dragon, and tell him that I want to talk to him too. <laughs> I'm just gonna say some roles, like you know, the funny stuff that he would say in there, like I am one of my own. You know, like he'd say some funny, you know, stuff. You should got, you should get a car. You know, like, you know, these funny corny scenes. You know, it's just funny. Uh, yeah. Uh, Chris, what is uh, the biggest regret that you have? making this movie at this moment man the biggest regret is not getting enough people to give me their perspectives and in, in writing the film you know it is a controversial film and if i can't get enough of of people involved um to give me you know what they would think what they would want to see it's you know I'm, I'm i'm gonna have that other side of people saying what why are you saying that you know Asians versus blacks versus Mexicans, and I'm like, that, that's not what I'm trying to say here. I'm, it's, uh, it's, it's a drama film. You're going to get some drama, you know. It's uh, so. Um, my biggest regret is just just not being able to get enough people to work with me on it. And um, it is what it is, you know. It, you're going to put out a film, and at the end, they're going to criticize it. It may be good, it may be bad, but you know, we have to create as artists. You know, we can't let the minority you know influence the majority of our decisions right we have to still push past that negativity and man i've been reading some of the comments and some of these other blogs and i'm like ah that shit hurts Mm. ouch you know so it's like you know um and i want to just go up in there like listen no 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 no." (laughs) you know but i i i I, mark cuban shark tanks mark cuban taught me one of the main lessons he gave me is when people hate on you don't respond you know, don't 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 waste your time. Don't even give them a comment back. Just ignore them. It's that simple. Because you got to get to a point in your life where it, if if it keeps happening, you know, you'll know you're moving forward based on the success you have. So, you know, hey, I was like, that's cool. If yeah. People are dog, dogging you and you know talking crap. That means you must be doing something right. All right. Right. Oh yeah. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> it hurts sometimes, though. You're just like, damn it. But you know, it, it does. Uh, it does. Yeah. It is what it is. It only hurts when you care, probably. So. <laughs> hey, the fact that you care is a good thing too. So. Right. right. Exactly. Yeah. Do you are already looking forward to the next thing? Are you? Are, are, I know. I know we're still in the thick of making this movie, but are we already? Are you already looking forward? Man, we want to. Uh, I've. I've got several type of uh, issues I want to discuss. Um, another one I want to talk about is, uh, uh, without ruining it too much, it's the uh, Asian American gentleman that supplied the Black Panthers with guns. Oh. Um, during their, uh, you know, they would have never had guns if it wasn't for this guy. Very controversial guy, but I would like to um, showcase that story in a unique way of how he sided with them, how he helped them. And they even said he could have been, you know, uh, associated with the FBI, was he an informant? What's going on? Like, there was a lot of controversy on this on this unique guy, and I want to kind of make that into a film. And with everything happening in the world, I think it's a, a very powerful uh, um, story to tell. Yeah, that's an amazing story to tell. I'd lo- I'd want to hear something about that. Like, thank you. Something I, I definitely didn't know about before this moment. So I'm I'm, I'm interested. <laughs> I'm peaked. There you go. We'll, we'll probably collaborate, man. I'll run some plots with you on what happened. But it's a lot of research. But be. I mean, I, I shelved that. I know I originally wanted to rewrite uh, the, the the journey story, Arnold Pineda, how the uh, band Journey got him from the Philippines. But the director of, uh, of Crazy Rich Asians, uh, Chu, uh, has the life rights really? of the story. Yeah. So it's not even in the press or anything. So I mean, I think you can Google one article, but he acquired it like several years ago. So beat me to the punch but hopefully i can talk to him one day and be like look i'm filipino brother i need these life rights I, you know let's make this story together so but nonetheless yeah awesome I, I love that i love that okay people can go to dynastyboys.com get all the the deets they want but where else can we find you on on social media sure just 
uh, Dynasty Boys, uh, that's the handle. And if you want to follow me, just Chris Soriano. I'm going to take you through my journey of, of how we're making this and, and also share with you some of the perks we're giving to anybody who backs us. Like, for instance, a graphic novel that we're developing to certain swag and merch to even a filmmaking masterclass that we're going to give away. So, you know, if you want to just learn how we did what we did with the little we had, you know, check me out um, at chrissorianoalso.com. <laughs> awesome, Chris. Uh, any any other things that you like to plug that you want to you want to get out there? Or are you are you are you, uh, you set? Man, I got to ask you though. What what are some of your uh, well, I'll say top five or whatever. Just what are some of the most influential films, man? That 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 motivated you, or you're like that's that's my favorite movie, dude. Uh, you know, I mean, I've always said my favorite movie is The Princess Bride. Like, I just can't get enough really? of that movie. Yeah, I love that movie. Wow. For so many reasons, but I gotta watch that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, if if it's it's the it's a great combination of action, adventure, comedy, romance. Like it's got all the things for me, it, and it always it hits that nostalgia uh, trigger for me. So that's wow. that's definitely a, a big one for me. Uh, big Trouble, Little China. I love that movie. Oh yeah, yeah, I That's, remember that man. That brings memories for me, man. <laughs> Are we the same age? Are you thirty one as well? No, I'm I'm a little bit older than you. I'm I'm thirty eight okay, yeah. at the moment. So. Okay, there you go, there you go. <laughs> yeah, so because I remember seeing that too, man. Yeah, I can't. That was a good movie. Well, what else you got, man? Uh, let's see. Sitting on top of that, things that influenced the the stuff that I love to watch, Goonies. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm pulling all the stuff from the '80s. I know. I mean, I love stuff I love from, it. from now yeah. too. Uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. You know, that was ten oh, years ago. Yeah. I love that movie. Yeah. Um. I, I mean, I, I honestly, I I love like Civil War. Captain America: Civil War is my favorite of the MCU oh, yeah. movies. So those That's those are good. these are just movies that they all bring something different for me, like to right. to the forefront. Uh, if you really want to know, like my love of writing you have to watch the newsroom if you watch the newsroom you can see or aaron sorkin's writing through all that and just the way that he captures the characters and their dialogue is just amazing it's that's that's the way that i want to write so yeah no respect to you yeah social network and molly's game yeah this is early yeah he's a gangster writer he's really good (laughs) molly's game is so slept on no one knows about that movie but it is so good so right, I know, and he directed it. I don't know why nobody's talking about it. So nonetheless, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Well, but thank you. Not not too many people ask me a question, and I'm I'm guessing that's your uh, your anchor interviewer days <laughs> from back in the past coming out. No, no, man. I authentic, I authentically want to know because uh, I was talking about my favorite films, but shoot, I really want to know. I mean, me being a director now and everything, I'm like, I wonder what people like, especially people that have a lot of knowledge in films like you. And so I was like, man, I want to know what he knows because we're vibing on every single movie. It's like every <laughs> single one I said you've seen. So I was like, man, he might say a gangster film or something. But, you know, it is what it is, man. I love your films. I'm going to watch A Princess Bride tonight with my fiance and eat popcorn or something. There you go. I, I love to hear it. I want, I want to hear what you think, too, afterwards. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> so until next time, this is Hey Mitch on the Geekly Media Network saying, always remember to geek, geek out. out. This concludes our broadcast. Peace.